folks, 13 and 3 here, enjoying our second season with our guest, former Erie Otter and longtime NHLer Chris Campoli. This episode is sponsored by Market and Johnson, Parker Insurance, Valley Sports Academy, Northwoods Therapy and Associates, and Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, which has been committed to the healthcare needs of patients in Western Wisconsin since 1954. Mogi. Chris, thanks so much for taking some time to sit down and talk with us today on our podcast. I got to ask you, are you getting any weather that they're getting over in Buffalo right now? First off, uh, my pleasure. Thank you uh, for having me. Um, yeah, the weather is uh, its an interesting topic here right now. We're um, So I'm just west of Toronto. Uh, I live in Burlington, Ontario. And uh, so south of us, Niagara, which is where my, uh, my in-laws are from and I have family there. Uh, my wife's from there. Um, they're getting crushed slightly <laughs> less though than Buffalo crushed because, uh, you know, God hates Buffalo, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wish them the best during this, uh, you know, weather yes. storm. Yes, but, we do. Uh, we hope they fare well. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, your uh, history and, and where you grew up. Uh, North York, Ontario is where you were, you know, born, but you grew up in Massagua, if I'm pronouncing that correct, Ontario. What was uh, you, it? You just, you just missed that. Uh, Mississauga. Uh, <laughs> Mississauga. Yeah. Originally, yeah, I grew up and from. That's exactly right. All right. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, what was it like growing up in a hockey crazy part of the country? Um, well, you know, my roots, uh, my dad immigrated to Canada from Italy and um, uh, came from a very uh, uh, middle class family. You know, they didn't have uh, the finances uh, for him to play hockey. Um, so what did he do? The first thing I'm, I'm, his, uh, I'm the first of three boys. Uh, he put me in hockey uh, immediately. Uh, he loved the game, um, you know, loved the Leafs, Dave Keon, um, in that era. And so uh, I started at three, I started skating um, and and really, you know, fell in love with the game. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, um, it kind of fit right in with, with what I uh, love to do. Um, being from here, um, you know, I've got stories about my dad running uh, – the hose from the basement up the stairs through the hallway out the back to water a little ice rink for us. My mom wanted to kill him. Um, you know, you look back and you're thankful for the opportunities growing up and, you know, where I did and, and how I did and, um, you know, the opportunities I was given for my parents that really, you know, my dad certainly didn't have. So, um, yeah, no, pretty cool. And, and, uh, a lot to the game for sure. It's given me a lot. And, um, um, I'm thankful for that. How about your brothers? Did they follow in your footsteps playing too? Yeah, they, they both played. Um, they played uh, like provincial junior in uh, in Ontario here. Not uh, not quite as obviously high a level, um, but still very passionate and competitive. Nevertheless, uh, we had some great road hockey games growing up. We still uh, you know play um, with now our kids. Uh, our kids are. I've got a five year old and um, my. Uh, middle brother he's got a five-year-old as well so we have some fun fun games and and uh, we've got all boys in the family so it, it looks like uh, that trend will continue as they get older <laughs> yeah, i can just picture your dad with that hose uh did your mom ever just suggest about putting a faucet on the outside of the house so he didn't have to drag it through her yeah you know it, 
it was so cold out. He didn't want to be out there. He's like, I want to stand by the entryway. I'll keep the door open for five. You know, like we didn't have a huge backyard, but he made it. He made it work. So um, I give him credit. He was probably worried about the water freezing or whatever. Um, you know, because it was so cold out. So um, I guess what parents will do, eh, for their kids. Yeah. So did you have boards and nets and the whole shooting match, and did you get your buddies no. out there? It was um, much different than the. Uh, the typical outdoor hockey rink today these kids get it was uh you know just the sheet of sheet of ice you step on the snow or you're stepping off you know and and the grass underneath it so um no it was much different uh, than what you see today i hope to be able to do it you know one day for, for my kids you know with the little boards and things like I, I think it's a great uh tradition um you know it's a great way to keep the kids active you know after school and whatnot get them out um so it's, it's part i think uh you know, with COVID, it's come back too. I'd say, you know, that was one thing people were, could do in Canada. We were pretty uh, reserved that way and what, what we were able to do and gather. And so outdoor rinks became a thing. Nice. You mentioned your father is, you know, obviously a, an influence in getting you involved in the sport. Anybody else that had a significant influence on you in your career? You know, I'd say both my parents had a real uh, impact, you know, um, when I look back, never missing a game, you know, I never missed out on anything. We had two brothers, like I mentioned, playing AAA hockey growing up. And, and so they would be, you know, running around from rink to rink in, in the greater Toronto area. Toronto traffic is not fun to drive in, um, you know, so it's like, but they did it, you know, they did it for us. And so I owe everything really to them and that opportunity it just would never have happened otherwise. And, and my brothers, because, you know, as I got older, um, their dreams were to play too. Uh, obviously, they weren't able to, but they never wavered in their support for me. And I think that 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 system, you know, behind you, that support system where you can go back and have regular conversations or, you know, whatever it is, know it's there. It, it really is crucial um, to having success on the ice. Um, so, so that stability is extremely important. And, and I would thank my, my family. We're going to get into your, you know, wonderful or extensive career here shortly and also what you're doing now. But as a former NHLer and current representative of NHLers, what advice would you give to parents of kids growing up, you know, as you see their son or daughter on the ice, you know, that that your parents gave to you that helped you? So, you know, they didn't give me one piece of advice, but when I look back and how my parents, you know, dealt with me and my brothers um, and what I've seen now with my five-year-old, he's started to play and I'm coaching him and I'm starting to see, you know, parents and things in the rink, you know, it was never lost on us that the game has to be fun. Never. Um, that and I was allowed to play and encouraged to basically I had to play multiple sports and I was as good as, at baseball as hockey, you know, growing up until the point where I had to make a decision um, and hockey, you know, things happen quicker. So, you know, I would tell parents um, it's extremely important to create a fun environment um, for your kids. One where um, they can really learn and, and take in the values of the game Um you know, things like teamwork and commitment and respect. Um, those are things when I think about hockey uh, that brought so much to my life. So 
I mean, it's got to be fun. They're kids. You know, when you look at stories, uh, you hear about parents pushing kids. You know, I'm not sure it helps them. I'm really not. You know, we look at the Sedins. I was at the Hall of Fame induction on Monday. The Sedins both went in. Daniel Alfred's went in. And he was a teammate of mine, so I wanted to be there. Um, and they all told stories about their parents, you know, making it fun, making it about fun, supporting them to do whatever they wanted to do and encouraging them to do other things. That and they started at like eight years old. You know, oh, so when yeah. you look at this, a country like Sweden producing some of the talent in the world, kids starting at eight years old, never leaving their small town. You know, they're from the Moto area, which is northern Sweden. I played over there. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to describe, but in Wisconsin, picture a small town, smaller than a player. Um, and, and them literally never leaving that town or the club they play with until they're 12, 13 years old, you know, but yet they come and they're elite and they, you know, have this natural God given skill and ability, you know, to understand where each other was in the ice like nobody ever before. Um, you know, so you look at the models of the, you know, the kid going to do privates before school or after whatever versus this. And I'm just not, it confuses you because I'm not sure one, you know, well, it should, you know, you would think, more time on the bet. I'm not sure it works out that way. So the funds vitally important. Not every kid uh, is going to make it. I hope they all dream too, because that's important. You know, dreams, they should all dream and dream big. Um, you know, but hockey gives you things along the way that you can take with you uh, in your professional life. You know, things now that I've learned that I'm, you know, because I grew up in a professional environment and wrestling room, I'm more resilient to things than maybe someone else might be in a typical office setting. That's not putting them down. We each have strengths and weaknesses and that's okay. So um, I don't know. I, I'm rambling a bit here, but I, I think the fun aspect is just so important. It can't be lost. And, and you know, for coaches out there, uh, these kids depend on you guys to be leaders. Um, you know, you have that responsibility, I think. You have that ability to impact these kids in a way different than anyone else. You know, I look back at my coaches, I had good ones and bad ones and the good ones, I'll always remember what they taught me. So, you know, that's the approach I take with my kids now. Great words of wisdom. And I, I hope the parents and coaches who do listen to this kind of adhere to that advice. Oh, absolutely. So Chris, as you're coming through your youth levels and things like that, I imagine you've, you've always probably stood out um, among the, the groups. When did you, when did you kind of get the feeling that, hey, you know, maybe I can make something out of this? And I know you played a, a long time in the OHL. So at, at what point were you thinking, hey, this this could actually work out for me here? You know, um, I was always good, but I was never uh, the best kid. You know, I was always on one of the top minor teams in Toronto, the top three teams. Um, but it really didn't hit till 15 where I started to play a different game. Um, my dad would always say to me, you know, you rush the puck a little bit. Like, you know, as I got older, you can rush the puck. I was a defenseman, obviously. And, um, I, I took that to heart, you know, keep the puck out of the net. And it was like the light clicked a little bit that I could skate and rush the puck. And so I started to do that. And, um, so really, I, but the key was at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, you have to continue to get better and take steps. 
you know. So, again, I was never the best kid at my age group or in my league um, or in the OHL, you know, or as a pro. But, you know, I was the kid that continually got better. To be- I believed in myself. Um, my path was unconventional, I would say, um, a little bit, you know. But every every pro has their stories. They're all unique in their own way. Um, they're all interesting. I'm a believer of that, too. And so... Um, yeah, I never lose sight of the fact that you just got to get better. You can't be complacent. You know, it's it's just too competitive an industry. At some point, um, you have to separate yourself. So did you have anybody pushing you, or were you pretty intrinsically motivated? You know, um, it just gets to the point where it's so competitive. It's either in you or it's not in you. You know, you've got to believe in that. And so, you know, I would say... Uh, rather than push me like my family, my parents, it was more like supportive. I, I can't remember a game once I started to play junior hockey um, or pro that I didn't see my mom or dad after the game. And they didn't say great game, you know, um, because it didn't matter. It didn't matter if I made a mistake. It didn't matter. Like, and really um, those things happen on the ice. You know, it's a game where mistakes happen. Game of mistakes. There's, you have, you know, five other people, four other people, five with the goalie on the ice with you at a time. And so sometimes you're put in positions where, you know, if your teammate makes a mistake, you're in a tough spot too. Like there's a number of reasons why when you break down uh, what happens on the ice, why they, they happen. And so, no, I, I was just honestly uh, very lucky to have the support. Um, I had coaches that, that believed in me. Um, you know, we put the work in, um, so you know, if you want to call that pushing, maybe. But to me, um, once you get to a point, uh, if you want to become a pro, that's instilled in you. Um, you know, you can't question whether or not you're going to get up and go to the gym in the off season. You can't question whether or not you should stay half an hour after practice and continue to work on, you know, moving the puck or, or whatever it is, shooting the puck, or it doesn't matter because those are the things as you put your resume together that will help you get better and help separate you from the next guy. Yeah. You played uh, four years uh, in the OHL with the Erie Otters, uh, one of only a handful of U.S. teams in the Canadian Major Junior Leagues. What was it like playing in Erie, and do you think that that helped propel you and prepare you for the future? So um, I got drafted by Yuri and, uh, you know, going into the OHL draft, we had meetings with teams, you know, they come meet you and GMs would sit in your backyard. Like the weather was nice. It was around uh, June-ish was the draft. And they wanted to know who they're investing in, right? They want to get to know the player, the family. And I get it. Erie, I got a phone call the morning of the draft just saying, would you report? And I said, yeah. And that was it. Oh, wow. Um, so you end up, I end up going there. I didn't expect to go there. And so, um, you know, where is it? Well, it's three hours south of Toronto um, at the uh, New York State, Pennsylvania border, you know, just in, in on the Pennsylvania side. And um, it was a great place to play. I was um, blessed to have uh, great mentors and teammates. Um, Carlo Koliakobo uh, was a, another young defenseman. He's a year older than me, but... Um, great player that I could look up to, you know, and mirror my game after and push myself. Right. Um, Brad boys was another one. He was a captain leader of our team. And then I had really good coaches. Uh, 
Peter Sorokowitz uh, was a goalie for a long time uh, in the NHL, um, but a great defense coach. He saw the game differently because he saw it through a goalie's eyes. I think I generally think that helped me. Um, Dave McQueen was a head coach while I was there, and, and he was a good job. He, de- he did a good job. He demanded a lot of us, but uh, ultimately he treated us like pros, you know, and, and that helped help prepared me as I move forward. So um, it was a great experience. Uh, four years there, I, I wouldn't change it. We won a championship. You know, that's something that um, you'll never forget. Those are relationships you develop. And, uh, you know, they'll just, it's like having a beer and you've been there every day. You've seen each other for 20 years or whether you haven't seen each other for 20. It's just like, uh, it's something special. It's a good time. So uh, was it different playing in the States for you? Was that your first experience in that kind of time in the U.S.? Yeah, but that was different. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, we were at the time, uh, there were two American teams, us in uh, Plymouth, Michigan. Um, so our closest game was three hours or three and a half hours. Um, so, you know, it was different. You know, it just was uh, going to school in the U.S. rather than Canada. So changing, you know, different requirements to graduate high school and things like that. You know, you have to navigate and figure it along the way. But, you know, at the end of the day, if I wanted to do this, this was part of the deal. I had to figure it out. Um, because school is just as important as, as hockey. Um, so I found a way I went to summer school and made sure I had the necessary credits. Once I got drafted by Yuri, I needed to, to pick one up before I went. Um, I found a way to do that. You know, uh, when I look back, there's small sacrifices at the time. Um, they're important ones though. So, uh, it's all part of that commitment. And if you're committed, you know, really, um, you'll do anything to, to take care of business and whatever it takes to be able to accomplish your goal. You certainly had the work ethic, the way it sounds to sure get where you like were. It. Yeah. Um, your last season at Erie, I think you were 19 years old, named captain, 66 points. Is this what finally got a uh, little NHL attention for you? Um, you know, it, it's hard to say. I, so if I go back a couple of years, um, as a 17 year old, I made the team Canada under 18 team. That was my draft year. And so, you know, you look at the guys that make that team Canada under 18 team, they're typically guys that are drafted. Uh, they're typically guys probably, you know, a lot of times drafted high, not all the time, but, but, um, Canada is one of the powers in hockey. And, and so, um, going into that season, I was ranked high in the draft. Um, I got mono at the world championships oh. unfortunately the play set me back um a couple and and really um you know that season well i had a decent season my numbers weren't weren't great um you know i played a top for role in a championship team though and unfortunately um i didn't get drafted you know but fortunately i did get the opportunity to go to camp with the columbus blue jackets they called me after the draft um on a home phone line. It's crazy because those don't really exist anymore. <laughs> Although my phone. Uh, and uh, so I went to camp with them and um, rookie camp and then training camp, or sorry, rookie camp during the summer and then rookie camp prior to training camp. And, uh, you know, I did well. Uh, Rick Nash was my roommate. He was, he had just gone first overall. He was someone I grew up with um, playing against our whole lives. We'd known each other. We we're comfortable. And uh, I had a great camp. And at the end of it, they told me, they said, look, we didn't expect this. 
they were just candid. I was an invite, not a draft, a draft pick. You know, they drafted a defenseman in the second and third round that year, um, uh, who I played. They told me and they said they were going to, if they could find the money to offer me a contract, uh, they were going to. Um, Jim Clark was the assistant GM at the time. And, uh, you know, I never heard from them again. So I went back, went back, never heard from them again. Had a decent season my third year. Uh, went to camp with Toronto the next year as an invite. Didn't get drafted again. Um, did okay. Um, you know, but had an interesting experience at that camp. Um, it, it wasn't uh, the best one, I would say. Uh, but I learned from it. The important thing is, is, you know, as you go through these experiences, you learn, you take these with you. And so going into my fourth year junior, I mean, quite honestly, I didn't want to get drafted. I had a great season. Um, if you get drafted, then a club owns your rights. Okay. For eight years. If you don't, you're a free agent, you know, and, and unrestricted free agency in the NHL is 27 or eight years of service. So, um, or seven years of service, seven years of service. So, um, anyway, I ended up getting drafted by the Islanders and, um, in the seventh round, uh, late. And I signed right before training camp with my, uh, 20 year old year. And it was, it was the best thing, you know, they didn't know much about me. Um, you know, I remember Mike Gillis was my agent at the time. And, uh, I remember going to training camp. Um, it was a lockout year in 04, um, which also helped me because, the Islanders GM was there. The Islanders head coach was there. You know, it was a, at the time you're not thinking this way, but it literally is showcase an opportunity for you, the, the chance of a lifetime to show these guys you can play. And, um, you know, I had a great season uh, that year. I was a runner up um, for rookie of the year. I was on the all rookie team. And really that, that season set me up um, to have a career in the NHL. I mean, and, and the timing, you know, timing's everything. I had the year at the right time. Um, is there a reason why? No, I can't put a finger on it. It just all came together. We're going to give a quick shout out to a couple of our sponsors here. Parker Insurance, multiple companies, multiple products, multiple savings. See Ryan Parker, who is a hockey coach himself in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for all your insurance needs. And in Markin and Johnson, longtime supporters of the great game of hockey and our youth throughout the Chippewa Valley region. You know, you uh, you made some valid points. I think Mo- Mogi's chomping at the bit. He's got a question. Oh, I tell you, I'm so impressed to hear what you what your thoughts were on your education. I'm a former educator, and uh, you know, I grew up, and a lot of kids had had these grandiose dreams of what they wanted to become, and not a lot of them had a plan B. But it sounds like from a very early time. I mean, you obviously wanted to be a hockey player, but you understood the importance of education. You knew that career was going to finish up at some point. And you had to do something. So where did that come from? I mean, that came from my family. You know, that was instilled in me. It was like part of the deal. If you're going to go play, you're going to go to school. And the Erie Otters, frankly. You know, some junior teams would give guys passes. You know, that team didn't. You know, you were going there, you were going to school. Once you graduated high school, you were going to college. Um, so I went to Gannon, Mercier's College, um, when I was in Erie. And then I signed pro. Um, but it was just as important to do as well on the ice as off it. Um, so, you know, yeah, I would just say and for my kids and, you know, even kids I coach, I will put an emphasis on, on education. You don't do well in school, you're not going to play. You mentioned a former T-Boss guest, uh, Mike Gillis, as, as your agent. How did you get introduced to him? 
Yeah, so uh, Gillis, um, my dad played ball in uh, in Toronto um, with a friend of Mike's, and Mike Mike was a ball player too um, in in Toronto area, and uh, so Mike was a big time NHL agent at the time. Like at, we're talking uh, around two thousand, um, and Mike drove from Kingston, sat in my backyard, and um, I met him. You know, and my my dad had put. I don't know, worked it out that he was going to come. I, I don't know how he got him to come there. And I was the player Mike Gillis signed um, as an agent ever. And he did it, you know, because he knew someone, a mutual friend my dad did. You know, I wasn't some high prospect that, you know, it was Mike um, really taking a chance on a kid that uh, might not have even had the him. I had no business with him even being there, really, like at, at the time, but he did. And so... I'm thankful for that. I think he played a vital role in my development. Um, and, and yeah, that's how it happened. Cool. That, <laughs> thank goodness for the introduction. Yes, that was, yeah, it was very interesting. So when you were working with Erie, playing for Erie, you uh, were awarded the Dan Snyder Memorial Trophy as the OHL's top humanitarian. You spent a lot of time with the young patients and staff at the Shriners Hospital for Children in, in Erie. So where did your motivation to do this kind of work come from? You know, um, so a couple things. First, I would, you know, went to college, but there were days where we couldn't go to school because um, because of our game schedule. Any day where I wasn't in school, I thought, you know, I should be doing something. And I would, you know, as an athlete, you're in a unique position to make a difference. And, you know, that was my goal with that program. So when, when I went to Erie, um, there was a, a man working there named Sean Muscovich. Um, he's moved on from there since, but uh, I went to him and said, I'd like to build out a program, you know, with your help, um, where I can be integrated in the community and be, be part of, um, you know, changing a kid's day in some way. Let's talk about how we can do this. So we were in schools um, every day, every off day, every, uh, or the Shriners Hospital, um, where, you know, I became like, really loose extension of the staff. I'd help patients bring them in, get them situated and things like that. But it was a lot of fun. You know, I met people that I would never have met. Uh, otherwise, um, you know, first responders, you know, health providers, the nurses, people that really do the, the, the tough jobs. I, I got a chance to meet them and see what they go through. And, um, you know, I wouldn't change a second of it. It, it, um, it was important uh, for me to see what people go through. And, and how I could help. And, you know, I took that forward into my career, um, you know, and continue to do it even now with where I'm working. We've got these these programs. And uh, frankly, it's, it's the best part of your day and what what uh, what I do. Chris, I can't tell you how impressed I am by that, your 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 vision for your education. And also, you know, at a time when a lot of kids are thinking only of themselves, let's face it, as a teenager. A lot of egocentricity there, but you were thinking of others. That man, your parents—they, they, they did a great job with you. Just gonna say it. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, it, you know, like I said, it was a unique opportunity I was in, and made my whole career. I was in a unique position where I could help and change a kid's day. Whether it was a, you know, we used to go to Ronald McDonald's Children's House, wherever. Um, and sometimes those things were difficult to go through, 
but never once did I walk out saying, you know, I wish I had been somewhere else. I mean, literally, like that's where you were meant to be and what I was meant to do that day. And, and um, you walk out knowing how lucky you are, how lucky your family is, you know, because you've seen what, what families go through. Um, so, you know, I never take that for granted. Wow. And we appreciate that oh, for, man, for certain. No Let's talk about the, uh, the draft for a second. How did that feel when your name was called? Albeit in a later round, your name was called. One of the, you know, one of the few opportunities that that kids get to get their name called uh, for the NHL draft. What was going through your mind at that time? Well, um, because I wasn't drafted the first two years, I was uh, fishing on the lake with my uncle. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, a lot of emphasis put on the draft and. Of course, it's an important moment, um, but it's just another step, you know. Um, so it'd be difficult, I think, for me to sit there for seven rounds or sit there and not get called. And, you know, so I never went, never attended a draft. Um, that day on the water when I got drafted uh, it was special, um, you know, but at the same time, it wasn't the be all end all. I was. Either way, you know, I had my vision. There's a, there's a path. It's just about how this is going to happen. I genuinely believe that. Um, so getting drafted, your third draft is unconventional. It's different, um, but it, you're still in the game, and it's still an opportunity. So, you know, and being there with him, he was a supporter of mine. Um, so, you know, that was, that was really special. He passed away about a year and a half-ish uh, after that. Um, and so not actually less than maybe eight months after that. Um, so, you know, that's something I'll never forget. We shared that and that was cool. That is a wonderful memory that you've got. We haven't really discussed what position you played growing up and how did you choose that position? Um, well, I played D, um, how did, how was it chosen? So I played forward until I was, uh, eight eight and nine. I was playing up nine year olds. And then I went to my own age group at nine. And, um, basically, you know, there was a spot in this team and I could skate backwards. Well, and my dad's like, you're going to play every other shift. If you play D, so you're playing D. I'm like, you know, so you want me to play defense. So <laughs> and I started off as a defenseman really. And that's, I, I love the position. Um, I think it's, it, it's extremely difficult to play. You know, you, zero to hero, right? Like if something goes wrong, it's, there's a breakdown defensively. Something goes right. Well, you know, it may have happened because of the defenseman, you know, but people don't see that necessarily. <laughs> so um, I, I think the, the years, the smartest guys in the ice, I'm biased that way. Um, you know, I can't really rely on forwards to get that job done defensively. Oh. You got to take it. Well, well, I got to tell you, there's a huge rivalry with the two guys sitting in front of you right now. I'm a longtime defenseman, and Mogi's a longtime forward, and we spar a little bit on what position is the most unique and the best and the most important, and, and I think you did a good job yeah, of, of letting him know which one it is. Chasey's loving what we, you have to say. We need each other. You know, that's the truth. True. But, you know. It all starts it, with the D. Yeah. Goaltending is the most important position, though. I mean, you learn that after, you know, hot goalie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. 
But have you also noticed that through the years of your career that goalies are a little bit left to center when it comes to somebody who needs to stand between those pipes and have shots rifled at them at 100 miles an hour? Yeah, my uh, so my five-year-old, um, he's in this like three-on-three thing, the rotating goalies, right? So he says, Dad, can I go in? And I'm, you know, and I'm like, sure. You know, I don't really. <laughs> but it's fun. And um, so he had an absolute blast. Um, you know, and he doesn't know anything about it. Other, like he covered the puck. He knew that. And Anyway, he, he got the hang of it pretty good at the end. And the, at the end of the game, all the kids come and pat you in the head, right? So he loved that. So he come off the ice and Dad, I want to play goalie every time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If we're going to go down that path. I'm going to shoot a little bit before we make that decision, you know. Um, but no, he had fun, and uh, so he'll play again. He'll play goalie again. We'll see. We'll see how it ends up. But he may have enough loose screws to want to play that position, which means he takes after his mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Mogi. <laughs> oh, hey. So uh, you played for four uh, teams in the NHL. You played for the Islanders, the Senators, the Blackhawks, and the Canadians. What what was your favorite stop and why? You know, they're all unique and special in their own way. Uh, New York, I got my chance. Ottawa, we had some great teams um, playing in Canada, playing close to home. Uh, so, you know, my parents, you know, my dad driving to games there and back, same day, uh, being able to do that, although he's nuts, he did it. Um, and then Chicago, Chicago was really an amazing time in my career. Um, I was only there a few months. It was a trade deadline deal. Um, but I, I'd say I love playing there the most. Um, if I had to put one spot, just love the city, love the club, the opportunity. Um, you know, we're a really good team. We're close. And then uh, Montreal was amazing. You know, another six team, um, beautiful city. Uh, it was a tough season for me. I had a really significant injury uh, the first game of the year, um, which put put me behind uh, that season. But uh, nevertheless, it was an honor to be able to play there and and experience that organization, the city, and you know the pride um, that comes with playing for a franchise like that. I'm going to just take a second here for our uh, sponsors. Northwoods Therapy takes pride in being your choice for physical therapy in the Chippewa Valley since 1981. Northwoods Physical Therapy is a clinic where you can receive the care you deserve and are treated like family. And Valley Sports Academy is a brand new 116,000 square foot state-of-the-art sports training facility located in the Chippewa Valley featuring hockey, soccer, baseball, softball, and new to the area, lacrosse. They are devoted to helping athletes reach their next level utilizing tools like their skating treadmill, rapid shot, rapid hands, synthetic ice shooting lanes, 100% real ice training rink, and high-level coaching. Check them out today at valleysportsacademy.com. Chris, would you be willing to discuss with us what type of injury you sustained and how did you overcome it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I... uh, uh, during the second period of that game, um, and Montreal was a great opportunity for me just to dial back a bit um, because I, I signed uh, into training camp. Um, I had salary arbitration with Chicago. There's a walkway clause. This kind of gets complicated, but if you're over a certain number, um, the club has the option to walk away. Um, 
And so Chicago, knowing uh, with their cap issues, um, knowing where I was going to land, they decided to walk away. Um, you know, but this happens three weeks after free agency started. So, you know, majority of the business is done, right? So I was in a tough spot. So I, I'm waiting it out, and uh, I signed with Montreal, Andre Markov, uh, issues with his knee. Um, and they were unsure of when he was going to get back. So um, they signed me, and I had an opportunity, a real good one. I was playing in the top pair with uh, Josh George's. And um, so the second period of my first game in Toronto, in front of my family and friends, uh, I go down on one knee. It was a scramble in front of the net. I just remember going down on one knee and my left leg, think about like, you know, doing a hamstring stretch on one knee and like grabbing your toe. But, you know, I, I don't know if I went to get up or what, my heel got caught in the ice and my, my hamstring exploded essentially. Like I, I uh, oh. tore five inches. There's three hamstring uh, muscles and uh, the two, I, I'll never forget them because this played a role in my career. Uh, I tore three inches of my semi-membranosis and five inches of my biceps tremoris. <clears throat> so, you know, it's an, an injury they see in football often, um, but not like a hamstring pull. Like, this was, like, significant. So uh, I was out, you know, I worked my butt off to get back, but I was out uh, into late December. And, you know, we're talking about October. And they said it was a three-month injury. I worked to get back earlier. Um, and Unfortunately, you know, when I got back, um, I wasn't in a, no longer in the same situation. You know, I uh, uh, wasn't in the top pair. You know, um, our coach was Jacques Martin. I came off IR, and uh, our first game was in New Jersey. And they called me up to his hotel room when we got there, and he said I was going to be a healthy scratch. And I was like, you know, um, almost a, it's a business, guys. You know, it's a business. And so you treat your body like a business um, and these decisions are made like a business and they're not made sometimes uh, with, you know, considering people. And in my opinion, this one wasn't either. Um, you know, and I said to him, I said, listen, uh, I appreciate uh, your honesty and you calling me in. He didn't, you know, they don't even have to do that, right? Like they could just say, get ready for the game and, line up and, and then you see your name out on a board that happened too. But, um, I just said to him, you know, you work hard, um, every day, you know, there was a number of things I did in my rehab. Um, and, uh, like, why did you activate me for my art? Why didn't you give me like two more weeks and say like, right now, it's not a good time for you to come out. Like, why, what was that? You know? And unfortunately that, that there's just not that thought, uh, all the time. Um, so it ended up being a tough season. I finished the year. I played the rest of the season. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's what, what happened and how, uh, how it all fell, the dominoes fall. And, and yeah, it was, a, it was a setback. It was. That's a heck of an injury to bounce back oh. from. So did you have to have that surgically repaired or did it? Uh, no, the tear was in the, the muscle belly. So, um, it's just, it's something that heals on its own. Um, you know, there's a number of different treatments, uh, you, you can do, um, you know, Montreal, great doctors, we worked hard at it. Um, got me back, you know, as soon as we could, I, I, I view it that way anyway. Um, so. 
going through the teams that you went through, everybody's got a, a class clown or somebody who likes to pull pranks on a team. Are there any PG type rated shenanigan stories that you could uh, share with us during your tours with the teams that you played on? Uh, we had lots of fun. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, there was always something, you know, guys filling up uh, PG guys filling up each other's sticks with water, you know, and then putting the, the tape. And so you go to grab your stick and, you know, what's, what's <laughs> I never heard of that know, one. We had ice machines. Guys would get their underwear frozen in the ice machine. Where's my underwear? And then they end up being the ice. You know, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I look back, you know, at the time, you're not thinking this ends, right? Um, unfortunately, it does. It does for all of us. Um, so there wasn't one guy necessarily, but um, yeah, I played with a lot of great teammates, great people, people that I continue friendships with. And, um, you know, really relish that. So what was that like putting on your under drawers coming out of the ice machine? You laugh, you go home commando. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh, you, you mentioned that uh, Brian Burrard was your favorite player growing up. So what was it about Brian that uh, made him your favorite? So Brian played um, a brand of D, D that really like, is the game modernized and became tougher to play defensively. A lot of, a lot of guys played played with. He he had this like offensive flair, rushing ability. And I actually got to play with Brian. I played with him in New York, um, which was pretty cool. But that was obviously after the eye injury. And so Brian's game changed, I would say, after that. Um, you know, he was still a really good player, uh, but he was a different player. And so... Um, he was blessed with size, size, strength, big guy, skill, could shoot the puck. And, you know, like I said, that offensive flair, I wanted to bring that. Um, so you always look up to guys um, like that. And I think his, his offensive talent is some of the best, you know, the league is seeing from that position. So you talk about offensive talent. You scored on your first NHL shot. Pretty, pretty easy league for you, huh? Yeah, easy game. It's a year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, lucky. It was, you know, I look back, right place and right time. Hey, and a lot of goals are scored that way. So, you know, you've got to be there, right? Um, and it was a power play. There was a shot from the weak side to half wall, and I was the backdoor defenseman, and it just went off of Pat, Ryan Miller's pad and sat right there, um, like on a tee for me. So if it was a golf club, I would have hit it out of bounds, but unfortunately, <laughs> Oh, you know, and Ryan Miller of all the goaltenders, you yeah. know, a standout USA goalie, and and obviously uh, that had to feel good. I mean, regardless of being the USA goalie, but just first shot like yeah. that, it had to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, you know, you want to make a good impression in your first game. I was in Buffalo, so you know, an hour drive for I had like sixty family and friends there. Oh, uh, wow. So yeah, that, that was uh, that was pretty cool, you know. To, to have that happen, I don't know, it was like five or six minutes into the game. Like, it was right away. So, you know, confidence is important when you're playing and believing in what you're doing. And, and so I got off to that start, and that was uh, that was important part of that first year for me. How about sharing with us the fact that you had to score two overtime goals 
in the same game. <laughs> you know, how does that work? <laughs> so uh, I remember it well, actually, because it was my mom's birthday and uh, I scored earlier in the game. Um, so I had one and then overtime and uh, the first one, you know, I followed the play up um, and the puck just kind of sat there. I snapped and I saw it go through, you know, if you haven't seen the play, it, it went through the net right up against the post though. Like, you know, it didn't hit the post, but right up against it. And so, you know, I saw it go through and I turned back and realized like the play still going on. And I'm like, no, no, it's a goal. And then they kept going and the puck was there. And I just said, okay, give it back to me. I'm right in the middle. Give, you know, I put my stick down because you, as a pro, you're taught play, play to the whistle, right? Like, oh, yeah. you know, you don't know. And uh, so I got the puck back. I think the goalie knew the first one was in though. They know. And because I looked up and uh, like I had more than half the net to shoot at, like the guy, he was not in position at all. And I just said, the hell with it. I'm going to bury this one too. Um, so the first one did count though. I think they did review it and count. Okay. Yeah. But did you get two of the stats? That's what's important. <laughs> It had three. I had one earlier in the game. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> so you were described as a good puck-moving defenseman with playmaking skills that played a physical game. How did you develop the skills that it took for you to, re to reach the NHL? I think, um, you know, playing the NHL, you've got to play your strengths at all times. You know, there's a reason you're there, right? And my the reason I was there is I my skating. My skating ability um, was my strength. And so that and my puck skills, I could move the puck. You know, I wasn't the guy, the defense taking guys on one-on-one -on -one with the puck. Um, you know, that's a different, that's the elite of the elite, I would say. Uh, I was the guy, skate, move the puck, support the play. You know, join the rush, support the play, not lead it, right? That's what I was taught. And so um, really, you got to play to your strengths. You know, there's reasons you're there to play, you know, everyone fills roles on teams. And, you know, I was that guy um, that moved the puck at a time in the league when they were valuable, really valuable. I was traded for a first round pick, uh, my first trade, and I was traded for a second round pick, my second one, because, you know, teams needed guys like that um, to play the game. Uh, and I'd say more and more now, all these guys move the puck, the guys, the guys that are playing today, it's a different game. Uh, it's fast, it's skilled. It's the quality hockey is, is as good that way as we've ever seen. Um, so, you know, period, you just got to play to your strengths, and those are mine, skating and, and moving the puck. And then the physicality part, you mentioned it. Yeah. That just comes from competing, in my opinion. You know, um, you compete, physicality is part of the game, and that doesn't always mean – you know, crushing a guy, um, but that means getting in his way. That means making it difficult on him in the corner, you know, not giving the the blue line up when they're trying to enter the zone, you know, um, making it tough on the opponent. And, and, you know, that was something that I, I tried to do every night. You know, as gritty as you were when you're stepping on the ice and, and you're out in the middle of play and you take off from the blue line and you turn around to go backwards to defend your zone. And there's one guy coming down on you. Who's the guy that you would look up and go, Oh crap of all the people I got to face. This is the guy. Like, so my second game in the league, that 
happened. And it was Mario Lemieux. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> and it wasn't the same as the guy I grew up watching, right? Obviously, it slowed down. And he actually retired, you know, I want to say 20 some odd games into the into the season that year. Um, so he was much different. But I looked at him and I, you know, he's a legend, right? And I stopped him. I poked it off his stick. Watch a chest, right? Don't watch the puck with that guy. He'll have you twirling around. Um, so that was the first time that happened. And then, you know, the guy, one guy I dreaded as my career went on, even as a veteran, was Pavel Datsuk. Like he, uh, his hands were as good as anyone seen. And um, he could beat you. So, you know, you had to be careful with him. I played with Alex Kovalev. Uh, he's another one, uh, you know, just, I don't know that we've ever seen hands like his in the game, like just tremendous. Um, so those are a couple guys, but that's who you didn't, you didn't like playing them one-on-one. You wanted some support, some back pressure. When you saw <laughs> so as a seventh round draft pick, that must've made you feel pretty good to get traded for a first round pick once and a second round pick another time. That's pretty amazing actually. You know, I mentioned it earlier. Um, no matter where you get drafted, it's just an opportunity, you know, and maybe the kid that gets drafted in the first round gets an extra, extra look, you know, but it's so competitive. Um, if you're going to get there and establish yourself, you've got to overtake guys, you know, and so no matter where you're drafted, you just look at it as an opportunity and, and you get to work. And so I guess, um, yeah, you know, the return on that was was indicative of of the value, um, you know, New York could get in my, in my value, right? Um, it may be indicative of my career path uh, early on in my career. Ottawa was willing to give that type of investment uh, for me. So, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. And I guess it somewhat solidified to me, you know, like, you know, you're an NHL player. You certainly were, yeah, and yeah, doggone good level at, at that. Yeah, you. Uh, well, we talked about uh, you know a nemesis on the ice per se, but what about teammates? Looking back, was there one or two guys that you looked at as you know that guy's the leader or that guy's the the one you want in your locker room? Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, good question. You know, I played with Mike Sillinger in New York. Mike was a guy who bounced around to a lot of teams. He was a he was a glue guy. Uh, um, funny. He was a character, um, but he worked his butt off, you know, and, and that's why he played in a lot of teams. Teams wanted him. He was responsible. Uh, he was gritty and you know, his son's playing now. His son Cole plays in Columbus. Um, and then, so th- there's a guy there. And then, you know, when I was in Chicago, we had some young leaders. Um, Jonathan Taves is a good leader. Brent Seabrook, he was a great leader, good kid, um, old school, worked hard. So, yeah, I, I, I played with some really good guys. Eric Cole's another one, actually. Um, played in those Carolina teams that won the won the Cup, uh, I want to say 06. But he was fast, strong, you know, loyal, um, respected, like he work ethic, everything. So those are a few guys uh, when I look back really made a difference. 
So following your playing career, are you are you okay with us wrapping her up here? One more question or you uh, no, one? you no, no, you keep going here. Are you sure? Okay. Yep. So we understand that you're currently working with the NHL Players Association. So we're wondering what led you to pursuing a career in, in this direction following your playing mm-hmm. career. Yeah, so when I uh, became a member of the PA, uh, once I started playing in the league, uh, there was this just sense of pride. You're part of this exclusive club, you know, this special group. And um, so right from the moment I attended my first meeting, uh, I started getting involved. I was on the executive board for five years, a negotiating committee in 2012, um, amongst other committees I participated in cared deeply about the issues, you know, um, and, you know, that walk away issue, we talked about, you know, being unfair, uh, the free agency one where Chicago walks and, you're, you know, three weeks after, well, now, you know, that walk away clause, I'm proud to say, because, you know, I was involved in collective bargaining was no longer 1.7 million. Now it's like four point, I don't know, five or, or six. And so, you know, very few guys are now being put in that position, um, you know, because we were able to negotiate it. And that's, that's the key. You know, I, I know how it affected me um, and I don't want the next guy to go through it. And, you know, just like the guys before me, they lost the season. Um, you know, we had a better pension. I had a better pension than the guys before me um, because of them. So I just had a, a immense sense of pride. And so once my career, you know, I was over in Europe and I had the opportunity to do- join the staff, um, you know, retire from hockey at, 31, which is young, but to retire, to start a new career and something I'm extremely passionate about to work in the game, um, you know, to work in these issues. Um, again, that, that I experienced as a player, I, I had to jump on that. And so I'm extremely fortunate. Uh, I love what I do. Um, you know, working for the players, uh, you know, being there day to day, player communications wise, talking to them, um, being a resource, and then, and then, you know, amongst the other jobs you're doing, um, it's just, uh, that's, that was part of the dream and, and I'm lucky to live it. Can you give us an example of, you know, a, a day in the life of, or, or exactly how you represent the players? Yeah. So, you know, there's six former players on our staff. Um, you know, we all have different jobs. Um, but, you know, to sum it up, player communications is, important so i could get a phone call you know about an issue a player's going through or whatever and uh, you get them help i work in areas that are collectively bargained i oversee industry growth for us so we negotiated the industry growth fund in 2012 that was a a proposal from the players the league had no avenue uh to grow the game and um so that fund is now a 30 million dollar fund where owners um, and clubs can apply uh think of it as like seed capital for growth initiatives and and we have 50 50 say on these initiatives with the league um so we've got our learn to play program that comes out of that fund we've got programs um you know for kids um um, you know that need the help um we've got programs girls programs diverse diverse inclusion and equity uh, programs um you know community programs to help the communities and these clubs connect uh, uh with their fans in a different way and so um you know, now me being able to see that and being part of the the very first proposal of it, um, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, I get to work in Goals and Dreams. That's our philanthropic program internally where we donate uh, uh, 
equipment to families and kids and organizations that need it. So, you know, out by you guys, for example, not directly, but in Minneapolis, there's a group called United Heroes League. They're a, um, a group that supports military uh, families and the retired military, um, the man who oversees it and founded it, Shane Hudella is his name. And so, uh, you know, we supply them with equipment for military families around that area. So their kids have, a, you know, somewhat of a less hit, um, less uh, barrier of entry, you know, when they're playing hockey, supporting these families and helping them because it is expensive. You know, that is one of the issues with our game is, you know, there's a select few kids that can play and there's a lot that can't. And so we have to find a way to give those kids the same opportunity. Uh, so, you know, that part of my, that's probably the best part of my job is going and helping these kids um, that would probably you no, know, not in every time. But those a lot of families would play, but the, you know, there's some programs where these kids would never have. Um, and and so giving them that outlet, and and being a part of a team, and and learning those values that have meant so much to my life. Um, that's pretty cool. When we watch a hockey game and a player is um, suspended and fined for whatever action they've taken on the ice. Yeah. Do you guys help negotiate with um, the league as to how long those suspensions are and what the fine is, or how does that come about? So there's a department of uh, supplemental discipline. Um, George Peros oversees that. The um, Department of Player Safety oversees the Department of Player Safety. And if there's an incident, um, yeah, we, we, we go on calls. Um, you know, but that process... Um, you have to remember we represent the kid, you know, that may have committed, you know, the reason why we're here, the, the, you know, the foul or, or whatever. Um, and then we represent the kid that may have been injured, you know, if there's a hit, for example. Right. So our role in it, uh, often, um, not often our role is process. Our job is to protect the players. Our job is, um, you know, we've got a collective bargaining agreement that has been negotiated and, and you know, ensure that those rights negotiated are adhered. We adhere to them. Um, so we're here to protect them. And, and, yeah, we're involved in that process. We're involved in any process. Anything that happens with the players on or off the ice, um, you know, unless it's in their private life, when it comes to their term of employment, right, with their club, uh, that's us. We're involved in that. And, and, you know, helping make that um, as good of an experience for them as their, and their families as possible. All right. Sounds great. You know, the only other question I got for you right now is the fines that they're levied. Does that go to you guys for the, uh, the, the funding that you provide to these organizations that you support? Or where do those fines go to? Oh, so when a player's suspended or fined, um, the funds go to what's called the EAF, the emergency assistance fund. And so that money um, is set aside. It's managed. Uh, there's a committee, um, Dooley Point League and NPA officials. And when there's hardship and former players run into issues, um, those players uh, apply. And there's a process that, you know, it's vetted and things, but that money's there to help them. Um, so, you know, when you see a guy he's fined or, or, um, suspended, you know, 
the money's going to a good place. Unfortunately, he's in that situation where a player's losing pay, but um, the money is going to a place where someone needs it for, you know, whatever reason. As far as those programs I mentioned, you know, around goals and dreams, no, that's, that's players' money. That's our money. Um, that's not out of their salaries, but, you know, the, the Players Association, um, you know, it's backed by group licensing and, you know, the trading cards. And, and, you know, this goes back to the 92 strike where players went on strike for 10 days to get the rights to their likeness, their image and likenesses. And that's the trading card program. That's, you know, the video games uh, came out shortly after that. Um, and so, you know, really that's what funds the union and association and has helped us to, to grow to the staff we have today to, you know, ensure, um, like I said, players are protected. Just before we started this broadcast or our taping here, uh, a mutual friend of ours and former T-Bot's guest, Peter Byrne, poked his head in. How how did you come to know Peter? Because uh, he's the one that bridged the gap for us to meet you, and, and we truly appreciate that. How how did you come to know him? Um, over several glasses of red wine. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> but Gillis, as my agent, um, is very close to Peter. And uh, so... You know, when I was playing for the Islanders in New York and Mike was in town, I'd go in and, um, I mean, Pete was there a few times where we'd have dinner and get to know each other. And now, you know, I'm ha- happy to say that we've been friends for, geez, 17 years. And, and um, you know, I work with him on uh, my financial portfolio and, and Pete's given me some uh, amazing guidance for me and my family. And, and, and what's such, listen, um, such a sensitive and important issue for, for athletes, right? Because, you know, I've been lucky to have him to lean on um, because your earning potential is, is so small when you talk about the longevity of your life. And so you've got these guys that are experts at what they're doing and, and they're, you know, earning are high from, you know, call it 22 to 30 years old, you know, some of them longer, right? The exceptional guys are playing to 35, but after that, then what? And uh, having guys like Peter there to depend on and um, um, have meant a lot to me to ensure that I'm stable in my family. So that's uh, that's a little bit. I met him through Red Wine, though. That's essentially it. He's standing in the background right now, giving his thumbs up, by the way. I I, I got to say, this has been a, a wonderful wow. conversation. Mogi? Yeah, great conversation, great eye-opener in a, in a lot of different areas for us. So uh, thank you for taking your time to sit down and uh, tell us all about you. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for, uh, for having me, and you know, good luck with the podcast. Um, and look forward to talking to you uh, again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wow, what a wonderful episode. We'd like to thank our featured guest, Chris Campoli, so much. Thanks again for your time, Chris, and a huge thank you to our audience. A special thank you to our sponsors, Market & Johnson, Parker Insurance, Valley Sports Academy, Northwoods Therapy Associates, and Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Please remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and visit us on our website at thebreakoutsessions.com. And as always, remember, until our next episode, Stay on your inside edges. Be a brother.